Uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait, shit. yes, shit. Uh, well, you guys have okay, it. Clink. Clink. All right, here we go. Oh, that is the champagne of beers. Mm-hmm. God, this <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we're all we're all in um, what I assume is like very minor because we're adults and grown and old. Mm-hmm. Minor recovery mode. Uh, yes. After a particularly raucous live show. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, if you are a uh, uh, Patreon backer, you're gonna hear it soon. If you're not, you, you will hear it eventually because we'll release it on the regular feed eventually. Um, but it was a very good time. Uh, so the fact that we're all here is a testament to our um, uh, abilities to be slightly more adult than we used to be. <laughs> Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, because we didn't go to a fourth location. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's because we di- because we didn't, as Julie and I almost did almost so oh, close. right on the precipice we did not say let's take this to lincoln karaoke uh, <laughs> right when I, when I texted you at like 10 30 oh when i texted uh julian allison at 10 30 and they were like we're already gone i was like that was smart of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, I know, uh, so. but it was a really yeah. good time thank you to everybody who came out we will be back at the fine oasis in rogers park however we have two hangers on hi <laughs> <laughs> they just never left. <laughs> They've been following around behind Julie specifically because she's got a great ass. Come play with us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good twin joke. Yeah. Excellent yeah. fucking uh, twin joke. You have, if you have heard our bonus episodes, have heard these two dulcet voices before. Um, say hello, Keenan and Scotty. Hello, I'm Scotty. Hello, I'm Keenan. They, if they sound alike, it's because they're cousins. <laughs> Identical <laughs> cousins. No, they're twins. Uh, they're twins. They're not cousins. That makes way more sense than being identical cousins. I never understood that. I know. You know, it's more implausible than small wonder, which is saying something because that's girl. about a robot girl. <laughs> well, it could be like a stolen from the hospital situation. Oh, yeah. And they don't know that they're actually siblings. And then at summer camp, cousins? we were enemies turned friends. Oh, my God. There's so many twins. Plots, yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. And then we have to share the same bed. <laughs> Ew, it's my favorite. Ew. It's my favorite trope. Uh, so, uh, in lieu of bit, there's that introduction and that thank you to everybody who came out yesterday because it was such a damn good time. And welcome to Podlander Duncast. Not that wasn't awkward enough. My, those are best when I am talking about something else and then it just like. <laughs> Welcome to Podlander Duncast. Not Lander. You explaining it kind of took it there. Yeah. So. Yay. Like you did it. You found a way. Welcome to Podlander <laughs> and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hi. These are our twin friends. Um, I think the last time they know, please. Hi. Again. <laughs> Hello again. Um, I think the last time that they were here, uh, I, um, uh, I identified them a bit more than they should perhaps be identified. Uh, so I'm trying real. If I say your last name at any point, punch me in the nose. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all yeah. right. <laughs> well, well, okay. First of all, don't actually punch me in the nose. I forget that we just watched an episode in which two women beat the whole <laughs> Lady Club. So I want to specify that I was being facetious. Don't they actually punch me. going them. for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Scotty is a friend of ours from uh, Julie and I's dark days in the theater world. 
Um, among many other things, she is no longer just a theater friend. Not that theater, oh God, I'm talking about my ass. Not that theater <laughs> friends aren't valuable friends, but she was They're a theater not. friend it's fine. and now she's an everything friend. Um, and Keenan is, I don't know if I mentioned this, but they're twins. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it's like how in this season of The Bachelor, they just can't stop saying that Peter is a pilot anyway. <laughs> he said, like, I said this in the live show yesterday, so apologies for saying it again, but I can't help myself. In the most recent of The Bachelor, he said with a straight face in front of a camera, knowing people would see him. He said, my wife is in this hangar. And I just it's can't. Real Ron Swanson's son. People can see you. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Patty Keenan is um, is a friend of ours because we met her through Scotty. Uh, she is also an excellent lingerie blogger. Thank you. Um, and you can read her wonderful lingerie blog, uh, which. I affectionately think of it as chefs, but now, um, but it is uh, sweet nothings nyc.com well done yes thank you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nailed it no, i um, love that keenan y'all know keenan through me but you are like real friends with keenan now it's not yeah. just oh yeah right. it's the best yeah it's that's like, that's y'all really are friends true. with keenan yeah. on you your own and i now. could have that falling out that we are destined for <laughs> it's coming <laughs> any day now any day now and i would still be friends with keenan not true because keenan would be like no, I'm sorry. You, you wronged my sister. Twin don't, code. Don't put me in the middle between two fires. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Nailed it. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Ha-ha. So satisfying. So satisfying. Unlike the title of this episode, which is indeed between two fires. And then they say it twice in the episode. Okay, we talked about this a little bit at the live show yesterday, but I just got to get it out there. Who let that get past and actually be the title? Because it's 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 insulting. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. It's like these people don't have any knowledge of between two ferns and don't have any knowledge of the fact that that's what I'm going to call it from here on out. So anytime somebody says between two fires today, I'm going to go <coughs> ferns. Between two ferns. 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 Uh, so here we are. Season two of episode five. What the fuck? I think it's a pretty great episode with a very bad title. Yes, yeah. terrible title. I don't good care episode. if it was in the book. I don't care if it was in the book. Somebody should have said, like, we should find a way to rephrase that. You know what? That. It's a, they should have had, like, some kind of, like, 25 to 30-year-old somewhere in the writer's room that was like, uh, <laughs> can I YouTube something for you guys? <laughs> Just so you know. Just so you this know. This is what's going to come to mind. Everybody's going to say this. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to be like, between two. I mean, for that one little bit that I saw, I was looking for Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know what? The guy, the Spartacus, he had a <laughs> kind of Galifianakis energy. He did. Yeah. He, he had a little bit of it. He, all he was missing was like uh, a pair of Crocs, a tie-dye shirt, some <laughs> big hair. He wasn't like tired and bewildered enough <laughs> for, for that between two ferns yeah. Galifianakis energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So this one was weird because we had the uh, actual cold open again. So do you think they're just going to stick no, with... No, we did not have a cold open. The yeah. riot and the tarring and feathering was before... Was before the... Oh, because yeah. right... Because previously on, and then the target. Yep. yep so, right. do you think they're going to start doing that now? Because they did it the first. I mean, episode there too. have always been a few every season, but mm-hmm. I wonder if it's shifting to mm-hmm. people. They sort of 
shift for TV writers seem to shift formats when they get a little bit bored with one. So like for a long time, crazy ex-girlfriend had those amazing bits at the end and then they cut them. Right. You know, so, um, mm. I miss them, yeah. but it's Murtaugh's dudes straight up dragging Ugh. dudes out of their homes have and to say, tarring and feathering them, setting us up to know that this is going to be a very violent episode. Yeah. It was a blood and gore episode. It the was. special effects people were Working having hard. a time. Yeah. Working it hard. was genuinely shocking to realize Marta was the one doing that. Mm-hmm. And like, a. Mm, unappealing but in a good productive way moment of cognitive dissonance because you j- I just right. never even having read the book and there are the regulators do tar and feather people in a town and it is um, uh, like a really jarring upsetting thing for Jamie um, even knowing that I didn't expect it to be Marta that was it was really shocking and was it who was uh, out of the twins forgive me I confuse you <laughs> Um, oh one, of, <laughs> one of you said that when you were a kid and you were learning about stuff in history class and they'd say tarred and feathered, you thought that was like a funny you're thing. Like, oh, someone covered in feathers. Ha ha. And then you see it and you're like, oh, this no. is mur- This is a straight up murder. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, so it was very violent and kind of surprising. And then we had the theme song. And if anybody was watching the live stream, <laughs> I think that maybe this is my new favorite theme, because if people sing it every week while I'm watching it and do all the harmonies, I'm going to laugh my ass. Off. <laughs> and then the title card this time is somebody making bread. Spoiler that comes back. Spoiler. It's spoiled. Just <laughs> I'm, I know that was it's I one reached. of my very favorite book. Um, storylines for Claire is Claire trying to make penicillin <laughs> as might have been evidenced by the live show yesterday. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, that was the first scene. That was the first doing. Oh, okay. yeah. I can't give it away. Um, it was intense. Uh, I, I do think that we'll, and we'll get to this when we, when she actually starts making the bread, but I do think that there's something about it. That's a little bit weird in the translation to television. Um, uh, also, she w- absolutely in the book does not bake like twenty six loaves of bread. Just and put them in her restoration bad. hardware bell jars. Yes, yeah, she yeah. does not. That she it's is. it's all food scraps. It's all what she has. Marsley running errands for her. Anyway, um, yeah, well, yeah, that's the title card. It's a good title card. Yeah, uh, nice. we're also going to briefly stop just so you know. Um, I don't want you to be alarmed, but you've been live streamed this whole time. <laughs> All of you. Um, you listening. Just kidding. Um, we have been doing a live watch before every episode using Crowdcast, which is a feature of Patreon. And um, last week, let it run <laughs> until it ran out, basically. Uh, this week, we're going to cut it off now. Sorry, guys. Um, but if you want to see what it looks like when we're recording, you can go to Patreon and go into the Crowdcast from the day the episode aired, and you can see us all sitting around a table eating a surprisingly edible piece of chocolate cake. That's just me. Everybody else ate their cake first. <laughs> and watching Janine do the video portion of our new feature, <laughs> Janine's Corner, the, colon, the Janine experience. <laughs> I'm going to combine them. Uh, so I'm going to shut that off really quick. You guys go on without me. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the episode opens with Brianna sitting under a tree. I think we do get some serious North Carolina porn as we are want to. And then she's sketching and she looks a little disturbed by her sketching and she's sketching kind of hard. Like maybe there's a bead of sweat on her forehead and we zoom in on the sketch and it's Stephen Bonnet. Boo. So yeah, boo is right. And Ugh. she's trying to work some shit out with her sketches. So we see her kind of processing this trauma um, through her art. And it's not very long. Like it's just a little kind of bit to, um, 
remind us that this is happening. And then all of a sudden there's a commotion and we hear a wagon come clack, clack, clacking down the laneway. And it's uh, the Farish's. Um, Mrs. Farish is screaming. Her husband is about, is dying. And she's like, please help, please help. So Claire, you know, trundles him into the surgery. And we find out that his wife, thinking she was helping him, actually killed him with a combination of mercury poisoning and too many leeches. Yep. I would say that one leech is too many. <laughs> oh, the good old days. Oh, the good old yeah. days. I actually, I think I wrote that down. Did I write? I wrote that down at some. Oh, yeah, oh, down yeah. here. Um, so Claire, like, is like asking her questions about what she gave him. And then when she hears Mercury, she goes, "There's nothing I can do." <laughs> like, I'm so. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. Uh, you killed your husband. But can she can't say that. So then he dies right there on the table. Everybody it's freaks out. Upsetting. And this is we're at like minute. Six. It's, it's, yeah. it's setting it's us up. Very, it's very fast. It's a lot. There is a lot of action in this episode. And so the poor guy dies on the table. Claire looks all sad. Not as sad as the guy's wife, obviously. So does Brianna. Is like, oh, Brianna's like, shit, oh, man. Mercury, man. Even I know that. Uh, yeah, Brianna's oh, yeah. face falls, too. When yeah. she hears Mercury, she just looks at Claire, and she's like, 1969 knowledge. Mm, Can I interject respect. with a quick question? Because yes. we all assumed when we saw a slight man wrapped in a blanket so that we could not see his torso. We thought he was one of oh, the yeah. tar and feather victims being brought up to the ridge. So can I just, again, ask a clarification question about geography and time and how far, where were people getting tarred and feathered in relation to the ridge? They were in Wilmington. Wilmington, okay. I don't know how far away it is, but this is this is daytime, and they were being tarred and feathered at night. Good call. So, Thank you. So it could have been the night before. Um, it probably couldn't. So Wilmington mm. is some distance, not okay. a crazy so distance, not that far from Jocasta's. Okay. Jocasta's is qu- is like a multiple day trip. Oh, okay. So, so it could they're not like have been. in the backwoods. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're like yeah. Oh, it's that a helps. it's a little bit of a at least in the book it's a yeah. bit of a journey to get to Fraser's Ridge, and it's picturesque viewpoints <laughs> and where you get to look pay a quarter to look through the spy glasses <laughs> at the beautiful scenery. And then uh, our next scene is Jamie getting suited up to leave on his mission mm. to try to find Murtaugh. Uh, and he's got a helper now. Helper. Helper with quotes around it. His name is Hamilton Knox, and he's a super douchebag. And he's the, he was obviously sent by Governor trying to spy on Jamie to make sure that Jamie was doing the job that he's supposed to do, which is find Murtaugh. We were introduced to him in the last episode when he was when Tryon told him to stay. That's so right. So he watched the whole gathering and the was like hmm this scottish business quite interesting with them. yeah so he saw the whole layered thing right <laughs> and there there's a little bit of a pissing contest where they're trying like they're going back and forth and being very witty <laughs> about <laughs> why he's there and jamie's like are you here to keep tabs on me and he's like i wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that and jamie's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure <laughs> well are you writing letters to try and and dude's like mm, i don't know maybe are you and Jamie's <laughs> like, should I put in a note about the affable lieutenant? <laughs> lieutenant got said again. Yes. Love it. Best shade. So we can see that um, a little sword match is getting, well, well terrible choice I, of words. Choice. Coming up later. Coming up later. The first part of that is a little bit more genial, right? Like mm-hmm. um, Knox basically says, um, you know, if I were writing letters, I would say that you're a natural leader and you command loyalty and you've managed to do remarkable things with your tract of land, blah, blah, blah. And they're bonding over all that, which is why he says the affable le- lieutenant mm-hmm. or whatever. So they're bonding and then fucking knocks, let's drop like, huh. 
I wonder if the governor will reward me with land when we hang and quarter Murta Fitzgibbon. Like, and you're like, whoa. And Jamie's like, Ugh. So it's like when you're having a conversation with someone who seems really nice and then they just say something incredibly racist out of nowhere where you're like, whoa, whoa. It's, have you ever had a racist um, Lyft or Uber driver? Yes. And you get in the car and you're having a nice chat and then all of a sudden it's like, I think women who get assaulted deserve it. And you're like, oh my God. Oh my God, pull over, pull yeah. over on Lake Shore Drive. Yeah, getting out and walking. Yikes. Um, yeah. So we can see that he's playing nice at the beginning, but then all of a sudden that hammer drops. We we can, a little peek behind the curtain, possibly a little overzealous much, Mr. Mm. Hamilton. And then we, Brianna comes back into the house for something and knocks on the mom, sur- uh, on Claire's surgery door, which she has locked and drawn the mm-hmm. curtains on. Like, don't mm-hmm. fucking come in here. <laughs> and Brianna goes in and there's dude, mercury poisoning. What's his name? Ferris. I was going to say he has to stay home from school today. Julie. Ferris. I know. Come on. <laughs> Boo. He's right there. Um, Claire's basically laid him out like a frog in ninth grade. And Bree's like, he's got rib spreaders in. It's so upsetting. Bree is like, what the fuck? (laughs) And Claire's like, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. I just really need to perform autopsy so that I can learn about what's teach these people. Brianna's like, they're gonna. You're a witch now. (laughs) It's a it's a very good, interesting scene where Brianna is trying to be like, remember time travel? I don't know how no one has mentioned to you this over the course of multiple seasons, Mom. You're terrible at this. You're really bad at time traveling. And she's like, No, I'm not. I'm not. And they have this little chat, and it really could have been summarized with Brianna just going, Hmm. Do you remember that time that you were <laughs> almost burned at the stake for being a witch? Somebody comes in this room right remember, now. You will be burned at the remember stake. Remember that? Remember that? And then it happens again later, which is just, it's everybody, fucking everybody but Claire has a pretty keen idea of what this is going to look like to someone else. Stop being a witch. I just um, want to help these I people. I just Claire. want to help them. And then um, Brianna can't take it. And she leaves. And Claire, like, closes up her secret room with dead guy on the table and goes out on the front porch and then maybe the best cut between two scenes, no pun intended, (laughs) it goes to Marsley straight up butchering an entire deer out on a picnic table in front of the thing and Claire goes, huh, Huh. yeah, I'd like the cut of her jib. It's a very very cool little cut. And then Allison immediately was like, oh, I see what they're going to do. I got really excited and that comes back later. But she looks at her and then Marsley kind of looks at her and they're both like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well Marsley seems to be going hey shame about your patient excuse mm-hmm. me and then just like rips a leg aside and pulls yeah. out a liver and throws it over her shoulder yep. <laughs> yeah. she's like, I, I have a lot of empathy for you and I'm not fucked up by bodies look at this hold on let me get my saw yeah let me just good, good. pull Can these I joints apart yeah. yeah would you um, like to make a stock with these bones <laughs> like it's, it's great it's very intense <laughs> then we're out on the road with Jamie and his zealous partner oh. and they have this great conversation which just really goes to show what an asshole Knox is and they see this poor family on the side of the road and Knox like boop, flips him a coin like a terrible douchebag and the guy spits at him and then Knox has this whole monologue about how the world is so uncivilized and it's so good that we have men like us who are the uh, rule, rule of law and order and, and we're all like barfing in the background this guy <laughs> sucks and Jamie keeps like low key trying to be like, well, what about what would it be like for you if this was you? Yeah. And like mm-hmm. trying to just kind of feel him out and see if he's got any 
leanings, empathy, <laughs> empathy in general. <laughs> yes. And they kind of banter back and forth again. And you start to kind of, he, this actor who plays Knox, Lieutenant Knox does this twice in this episode where you start to feel like maybe he's a normal guy. Oh, I think and yeah. then, more than twice. And then it's he like comes back time. with just like, burp. it's women I, shouldn't have jobs. He, he like, does it throughout. Cause like in the first scene with Jamie, when they're saddling up for their journey, well, you even see it in the previous episode when Jamie's calling his people to the Laird, like Knox is like, oh, look at this man. He's he's a leader. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this guy might be sympathetic to Jamie. And then in the very next scene, he's like, oh, these people civilized, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that like that Mm-mm. shift back and forth yeah. keeps happening. It happens a lot. And one time with deadly results. Yeah. Um, I think at some point in one of these scenes, I as we were watching it, I said out loud, oh my God, it's like being on Twitter. And it really is. Oh, it's, it's when we get into town. It's when we get into Wilmington. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like... Um, Engaging with somebody, making the assumption that they too are willing to like consider alternate points of view and exercise critical reasoning. And some of those pe- some people that you engage with on Twitter just make it very clear that they're not interested in that. But mm-hmm. sometimes it seems like they are, and then bam, I don't know where they just fucking hit you with like some nonsense fucking zero critical thinking true believer bullshit which is what's happening here right it's mm-hmm. the this is obviously an intelligent man with the power to be empathetic who at every fucking turn finds a way <laughs> to reconcile actual facts and like com- the complexity of being a human with his own fucked up his own like, unquestioning yeah. zealotous mm-hmm. worldview mm-hmm. and it is uh extremely unsettling it's and very very unsettling. relevant it's so realistic it, fe- yeah. it felt um, like topical and of the moment in a way that as much as I love the show, it usually does not. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, no, that is, that's my fucking, I encounter that every day. Oh, like terrible. every day on the internet, I encounter that. That's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That stresses me out. Yeah, 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 that. yeah. Between that and Claire having to fucking be like, it's not me, it's this man giving you this advice. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's fuck. Jesus Christ. So this is oh. actually wh- exactly in the show when you said that, because they ride into town and they can see that there's been a hubbub and something bad has happened here in Wilmington. And this is when Jamie does the sweet Captain Riker dismount oh off God. of his horse. <laughs> hands Whoa, yeah, dismount. hands free. Yeah. He's got it's his like, it's right rifle up there. in his hands and he just swings his leg over the horse's head, just jumps And off. the tail in his coat kind of goes, <laughs> yep, you his know coat how Captain Riker and, just swing his foot yeah, around the chair? He's, he's, so fucking, he's so fucking tall, he just walks over it's, the chair. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. It's good. It's like, um, it's, it's, not quite as good just because of the way that it's shot as when Fergus dropped in front of the militia and we were all, you know, (laughs) engaged. We were ready for it. So we, Mr. Fanning is a little bit beat up here in town and he's the guy that's going to give us all the exposition of what happened with the regulators the night before. Spoiler, they tarred and feathered some dudes. So they bring um, Knox and Jamie into this room and they meet one of the guys who was tarred and feathered and I can't remember if he was a judge or a magistrate or something something some position yeah. judge of power well no the judge ran away the Sorry. judge got Justice away of the peace jop yeah, or like it wasn't a tax collector it was somebody mm-hmm. above that yeah. and uh he's uh, understandably surly <laughs> uh wrapped in a blanket probably hurting real bad and jamie's like one day you'll heal and your scars will show how brave you were and the guy's like hope you're right <laughs> other guys in the bedroom dying right now you want to go talk to him it's Ugh. like, and then the guy who, um, Mr. Exposition, Mr. Fanning was like, I really wish you would have brought your wife with you. Cause she's such a good doctor. And I was kind of like, that's good. Mm-hmm. At least people know. Okay. So, uh, Knox's name is, uh, Michael D Xavier. 
Is the actor's name? Yes. He did very well. He yeah. did very, very well. Uh, he is also in two episodes of Gentleman Jack, which I have not seen yet, but which mm. I hear amazing things about. Yeah. So anyway, Michael D. Xavier, good job. <gasps> Last week, we didn't give out the Golden Pample Moose. No, but we can this week. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I just do, realized. We yeah. Do it for last week, too. Oh, okay. We, can we, Janine? Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> so, um, Jamie's like... I feel so empowered because I have my own corners. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Someone's got to be in charge. <laughs> Jamie's all like, so, who did this to you? Did you recognize anyone? His eyes are a little shifty. He's like kind of yes. looking around like... Oh, Jamie was not the slickest double yeah. agent this episode. He got gets away with a lot because he's tall. His but talking was really good. Yes. His facial expression was a little bit like, mm, mm, That boy should not play poker. Talk. It yeah. felt yeah. a lot like maybe the director was like, I, more, we need more. And yeah. Sam Huon was like, okay, hold on. Give me, what's my motivation? Um, I'm conflicted. Okay. And then he just was like, look over here. Look over here. Look <laughs> yep. over here. Oh, I'm lying. I'm not lying. I'm confused. Well, let me try to send you a signal. <laughs> yes. That, and like, wink, like, yeah. you know, it was just so much. I mean, in That's, that respect, it was really good. Spoiler, when he's trying. This is, this is the scene with the guys in the jail. Talk to the guys right. in the jail i read i mean it he was very shifty eyed but i did see him like you know when you're talking to someone and you're trying to will them to <laughs> fucking understand what yeah. you wish yeah. you could say but you cannot because your mom is right there or whatever yeah. or somewhat like you're in a bar and there's somebody hitting on you and your friend has gestured up and you go oh i forgot we're supposed to meet yeah. michael and he's staring at, at these dudes bar. and he's like it was you haven't seen marta fitzgibbons <laughs> have you like so Relatable. he says, who did this? They take him into the jail. Murtaugh's not there. And Jamie's looking at the dudes like, where's Mur? Is Murtaugh here? Oh, and the dudes are, we'd seen them before. They were in the previously on. And he had previously tried to get them to join him. At, on the settlement. On, yes. And they were like, we won't do that. Um, that was me, guys. <laughs> we won't do that uh, because you're a, loy- a royalist. Like, fuck that. So these guys are serious regulators. Um, they won't talk about every time I hear it. Warren, uh, they they will not give Murtaugh up. There's a whole bunch of like looking at Jamie and telling him he's a dickhead, basically. And then they start getting salty with Knox. And it's at first it seems just like he does the rest of the time that he's going to take it and be okay with it and follow the rule of law. But then all of a sudden. He just stabs one of the dudes well, in the stomach. So and important. Oh, and they do the Spartacus thing. Yeah, I'm the Murtaugh guy says I am Murtaugh Fitzgibbons. Yeah. No, it's just, just the one. Just the one. Just yeah. the one. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, that's right, because that's why he does it. Yeah. So then they're having this really intense back and forth where um, the guy who's not Murtaugh um, is insulting Knox. His name and was Evans. Yeah, is that, is that right, Evans? And you can just see his fucking rage meter rising. Oh. And it is so, and you just know something is going to happen. I was really surprised that Jamie didn't step in sooner, to be honest. And then out comes the rapier and whoop, right into his belly. You're just going to kill this guy right here. Just murdered him. Like in the stomach. Yes. And Jamie's like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) And this guy's like, oh, what have I done? You just executed him without a trial. And And then then someone runs it. It's really bad. Someone runs in and is like, what happened here? And Jamie, I actually really hated for doing what he did. Yeah. Jamie's like, uh, he had to kill him in self-defense. Shifty eyes. Shifty eyes. (laughs) And you can see the other two Highlanders be like, 
who uh, maybe were conflicted before, who maybe did knowing his relationship to Murta, knowing um, his background, maybe weren't quite sure what to make of what was, especially with all of the, the eyes. you didn't see him, <laughs> eyes. right? Eyes. Right. Um, and then you can watch it flash across their faces like, no, fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck yeah. this guy forever. Absolutely not. He just murdered our friend and he's going to pretend like it was justified somehow. Um, it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's really upsetting. So Jamie's in a pickle. And then we flash back to Fraser's Ridge and Bree and Roger are doing a little shooting lesson. Roger's not very good. Bree's very good. There's a hilarious conversation about Tufty the Squirrel, which was like a Smokey the Bear, but for Britain back in the 60s. It's very cute. Roger's cute, but he just doesn't feel at home in this time. And he also feels a little emasculated because he knows he can't fight, so Jamie didn't take him and he doesn't have Jamie's respect, blah, 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 blah. As Keenan said at one moment, he needs to deal with this himself. (laughs) I uh, have a little bone to pick with this scene. Yeah. Um, Which is that, like, I am obviously uh, a notorious... Uh, inexplicable, specifically um, not like pro-Frank, but like, Frank is complicated, Stan, right? As opposed to, fuck Frank, which I don't don't understand. Are you not watching the same show I'm watching? They're good, they're characters. (laughs) Please, engage. Um, However, (laughs) uh, Brianna is a good shot because Frank taught her to shot because Frank found out she was going to travel in time and then Mm -hmm. taught her to to shoot. So I'm a little bit bugged that there was an opportunity to sort of acknowledge... Just, mm. just yeah, as they, they did never in the previous it. episode, yeah. that at some point, if Roger was like, ah, you're so good at this, I'm not good at this. She could have said, well, I had years of practice when my dad was teaching me how to shoot. Instead of being like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> I am good. It's true. So it's not she like she just picked up a gun for the first time five minutes ago. She has many years of practice mm-hmm. in Boston, like on shooting ranges and shit. No, get it to Brianna. I feel for you, girl. You're having a rough time. Yes. I'm in your corner. But you could have just been like, well, my dad my dad taught me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't come instantly to everybody. And you just, you just keep need practicing. To work at it. Right. You just, just need keep to work at it. shooting at them Here, squirrels. Let me show you how. And then she does the old, like, dude trying to show you how to play pool situation where he puts <laughs> his arm around you. Yeah. And then Roger can't contain his boner. But then all of a sudden, there's a family of wild turkeys. And shit gets real. And so he tries to kill one and he misses and Brianna's like, oi, boop, and kills one. And then he's like further emasculated. And I think this is when Keena was like, deal with it. I mean, really? If Come I can on, bud. get it together. Also, she looks so cute in her little hunting pants. She oh, does. yes, she does. It's a very good How costume. often do you think she gets to wear pants? I don't know. I mean, Claire wore pants in the Highlands. I have mm-hmm. to imagine that in this rough and ready settler world, mm-hmm. she gets to wear them more, more often. Claire yeah. in the mix wears pants quite often mm-hmm. when they're in the in the back country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish she wore them a little bit more in now. the show. Because mm-hmm. I bet they're pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. That is one kind of frustrating thing is the whole like, I don't shoot as good as my lady is more believable on a 18th century man than it is on a Roger. Although now, now that I say that, Roger had from season three had some yeah. more old fashioned views on men and women and gender. Well, so. and I... I think that we are very reasonably projecting that a little bit on the scene because we don't <laughs> actually know that what's bothering Roger is that Bree is better than him. I think what bothers him is that, and in the books that's partially true, yeah. but I think what bothers him is that he um, 
is like a useful, educated, skilled guy. And almost all of his skills are completely valueless mm-hmm. here in this world. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. the things that he needs to be good at that seemingly everybody can do, he can't do. That's fair. Yeah. So I think it's, I, I do think that there is some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the fact that we get that fucking like, gender flip on the here just adjust your elbow <laughs> and then he's and then he's like ooh I'm now I can't focus is a very neat <laughs> flip on what we normally see in this And then after the turkey shit goes down and he's all sad boop Bree's like you you want to go back to the future don't you and he's like yeah and she's like Ugh. and he goes don't you and she's like my family's here and he's like you are my family <laughs> so it's clear that Roger doesn't feel at home here, but Brie does. She's got Claire. She's got Jamie. She's kind of loving it. I don't know. And we don't find out till later, although Claire, I'm sure, has mentioned this before, Claire wants them to go back because she yeah. knows that the 60s are way safer for people in general, not just from disease, but just living in the backwoods of North Carolina and pre in colonial America is fucking dangerous. And she's like, get the fuck out. So... Yeah, Roger doesn't want to be there. There's a line in that scene that I really like, which is she says, um, our family is here. And he says, you and Jemmy are my family. James Fraser is my colonel. Colonel. Ooh, felt that in my soul. Yikes. All right, and then we cut back to Jamie and old Knox on the road. And Mm. he's talking about, this is them in the tavern. Right when he's like kind of shaken up by this what is he another did. Another of those reversals. It's the perfect one. It's yeah, the best one because he seems a little bit shaken up and sad about what he did. Like I can't believe I did it. I let it. I let I'm something hypocrite. Too, hypocrite. I've become everything I hate. I've become everything I hate. I uh, I can't believe I just did that. You know, he's and Jamie's actually like looking at him with a little bit of empathy and trying to talk him down. And then what is it that he says that's just like the flip? He's just oh, like, wow. uh. Well, James it, says, about taking the guys to getting the guys out to go hang them. Yeah, at first it starts oh, with yeah. Oh, you please, remember? Scotty. I remember. Yeah. yeah, it's I gave him a soldier's death. Oh shit! Yeah, that's so, right. Which is more than he deserved. Right, I gave him a soldier. I gave him a soldier's death, which is more than he deserved. And you can just watch the him go from mm-hmm. self-recrimination to like. Man, I nailed it. Fuck and like, that. And like <laughs> yeah, it's oh he's so God. good. Again, Twitter. It's just, Jesus. oh, it's the fucking and worst. It's just, you're so surprised. It's, the, the actor was wonderful. He's so really good, good at really it. Really good. And you never, you never know where you are with him. And I wonder if Tryon kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of knew that about this guy and thought, ooh, let's see what happens to Jamie when I put this dude on his tail. And like, how is he going to react? Um, anyway, interesting. Which is, I think, part of the reason that it's so interesting is that, um, and we'll see this a little bit in the in a regulator scene that comes up later, but I do not think that the show is arguing that believing in things is bad. In fact, mm-hmm. the show directly argues against that, right? Like believing in things and having something that's worth fighting for is a recurring theme, including in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about unquestioning blind zealous faith Mm -hmm. in a system that doesn't fucking care about you. Um, that might be sort of relevant to today. (coughs) (coughs) Maybe, um, that I just, I think it was handled really well because Jamie, you cannot think about 
would you die for X, Y, and Z without thinking about Culloden, right? Without mm-hmm. thinking about shit, yeah. all yeah, the shit done that Jamie once. went through with Body Prince Charlie, another person who believed right. so blindly, right. stupidly in something at the expense of everything else, unquestioningly, and that's really dangerous. But there are things that Jamie believes in that deeply. It's just that he is willing to sort of acknowledge complexity and embrace the messiness and try to figure out like where lines are drawn and when are you willing to cross them. And that's a huge through line in the show. So I think this episode is actually pretty brilliant in that respect. Got a good principle of a check yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. Um, So Jamie in the, at this point, I think realizes right here. Oh no, this guy's trouble that he's a monster. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to talk him into anything else. So now I've got to start modifying how I'm going to change the situation. I got to get those guys out of the hoot, the hoot nanny. What do you call it? What do you call jail? Hooscow. Hooscow. Thank you. I thought for sure. I got to get them out of the party. I got to get them out of the hooscow and into the hoot nanny. Yeah. Yay. 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 Thank you. Um, I am going to say that for the rest of my life. Um, (laughs) We got to get him out of the hooscow and into the The hoot nanny. What? Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I actually thought that was a saying because it's so bizarre. It, it works. <laughs> it works. Uh, I thought for sure this was going to be the return of Jamie, the straight up ruthless cold murderer, which we all forget about. But Jamie will fucking kill a guy. I and not just on the Knox. battlefield. He'll be like, nope, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, he I thought will. he was going to kill Knox. I thought for sure when he palmed the 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 twins had sharper eyes than me and one oh. and recognized that it was not a knife that he covertly palmed from some blacksmith stump. I think it was on a stump. It was very confusing. Just the key to the hoose gouge just hanging out on a stump. That, that, that <laughs> no, I dumb. thought he palmed a knife. Oh, so it was maybe more like, uh, he it was like, got a, crowbar. like a crowbar. A crowbar. Yeah. But okay. I thought it was a knife and I thought for sure he was going to be like, hi, not so, so so let's, let's go beer. have another pint. But first I've got, <laughs> I've got this good new whiskey. But I fell off a wagon. Come back in this discreet alley with me conveniently. In this shed. Let's go. Um, <laughs> sorry, time to die. Right? <laughs> I, we really did but think that. But instead, he just busted the regulator. Dun, 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 dun. Out of jail. Uh, we cut back to the ridge and we're having a funeral. But the regulators were pissed uh we haven't actually gotten them out of jail yet oh he just we come back okay, and then yeah right, let's go um so we go back to fraser's ridge and uh we're having the funeral for mm. ferris <laughs> say ferris and um everybody's around the grave and roger's singing beautifully no a hymn it abide with like. me yeah. mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and everybody's sad about and then Claire like walks over to Granoli, just kind of like a do 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 do. Hey Marsley, do you trust me? <laughs> and Marsley's like, yeah. Oh, she goes. She goes. Wait. She goes. Fergus, can you watch the children? I need to talk to Marsley for a minute. Get the kids out of here. Marsley, do you trust me? Follow me. Do 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 do. Takes her back to the house. This scene is so Throws good. open the curtain. Pulls up the thing, dead man's body. Marsley's like, what? Bitch. <laughs> Witch. Bitch. And it, Claire has to run over and shut her mouth and be like, hold on, hold so on, So good. On. Lauren Lyle is so I fucking so good great. in that scene. It's so funny and weird. And after she goes like, Lord, the Marsley, whatever the fuck she says when he comes and shuts her, she goes, Claire, do not make me say it. Do not make me say it. 
they were just like, what? Just, was my, my mother, mother right, right about you? <laughs> Are you a what? I was like, oh my God. And then Claire tries to break it down for her, like, look, this is how we learn about blah, 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 blah. And, and it's like, like, who did we bury? <laughs> yeah, and she goes, oh, it was, it oh, was just put rocks no, in there. No, it was just a box what of rocks. Put rocks in the- <laughs> and it's like, damn. Ah! I do think Claire's timing was not felicitous. Like, not immediately after the morning, they, like, they hey, just friend. buried the box of rocks. Uh, can I get a minute? Like, <laughs> uh, so, and then Marsley's like getting over the fact that they just had a funeral for a box of rocks. <laughs> Looking at, oh, what did I write down? Here's my, I think this is my favorite note I took today. Claire brings granola to the gut buffet. <laughs> and Marcy's like, she kind of, when she gets over the initial, initial shock, is a little bit fascinated, like curious. And then Claire flips back the gut pouch, right? And then there's another like, oh my God. Because no. first it's his face. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, by the way, would you like to see what a pair of human lungs looks like? Boom. <laughs> And then she starts talking Marsley into becoming her apprentice. Like, I, you are smart. You are capable. You are compassionate. I've seen you work with uh, animals. animals before. I think you can help me. If you want to learn, please help me. And Marsley's a little bit, meh, but you can tell she's also like, okay, yeah. But also this is fucking weird. And uh, this is weird. But she's into it guardedly. Yes. It's the like. second instance in which a very bright young woman is like, this is fucked. What are you doing? This is incredibly dangerous. But yeah, she still wants to apprentice. I'm just thinking about the timing of that, though. I think she had no choice to do it that time because there's no refrigeration. Exactly. <laughs> no, this is yes. real short. Like, like, dude like, is open on the table. He's not going to last like, very long. You got, you got like two was, more days. I was thinking about that. You got two days before. It's like fish. Yeah. You got three days and you got to get it. I don't know. For all we know, on. somebody is still pulling on the string that's turning the ceiling fans. There's a... Someone is just like holding a large piece of cardboard and fanning a giant block of ice. (laughs) And then this is when Jamie frees the guys from jail. And they are understandably very pissed at one James Malcolm McKenzie Fraser. (laughs) And they, uh, what's the shade they throw them? What is it about Murtaugh that they say? I can't remember it's exactly. Something, it's something about like no matter who your godfather is, something, something, something. I, I mean, the, like the the base of the scene is it's all about oh well, you're willing to do all of this for money. Mm-hmm. They assume because he approached them about land that he has sold his soul for money, and they have a point. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. more complicated than that, um, like way more complicated than that. But Jamie did agree to do the governor's bidding in exchange for an extremely large parcel of land, mm-hmm. which hasn't been given out to everyone, as evidenced by the fact that Knox is so jealous of his of Fraser's right, Ridge, right? right. right? Mm-hmm. So Jamie did, in fact, say, yes, I will do the king's bidding in exchange for this land when he signed that paper. So they are not wrong. It's just knowing what we know about Jamie's motivations and his goals and like what his heart wants of life. It just, it's more complicated than that, but Mm -hmm. they are not wrong. And that's, I think why that scene is so interesting and why I think they're setting up a very interesting character arc for Jamie this season. If it really is going to be him trying (sighs) to walk between two fires. No, no. Uh, If he's going to be between a rock and a hard place. Thank you. Um, or like any of the other million analogies, <laughs> balance something. on a razor's edge, like all kinds of things you can say that aren't between something two. Um, I just think it's a really interesting 
place to set him up and feeds right into a lot of the shit that's been interesting about Jamie in earlier books, which maybe the show hasn't always captured. Mm-hmm. It's the most intellectually I've been interested in Jamie in a character in a, as a character in a long time. Mm-hmm. Was that an experience that y'all had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I've just forgotten, but I, I'm kind of having, I mean, you're right. Jamie, Promised loyalty to the crown in exchange for land. Yeah. Like, he... Was there any other extent... Like, he did it. Yeah. He knows He knows what's going to happen with the Revolutionary War, though. So, he's... You know, there's been scenes with him and Claire where he's like, well, I, you know, I'm just going to play this card till I have it, and then I'm yeah. going to switch. And, and so, he also, can't tell these two regulators. So, guys, here's the sitch. I'm going <laughs> to let you know. Let's talk about time travel first, and then we'll get into the, you know, <laughs> current state of political affairs. people so, I don't so, know meaning, meaning, like, he can't be like... You're right. Don't worry. You're going to win. Yeah. No, he can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he also, um, like the complicating factors are, and the show doesn't address this necessarily quite as well as the book does, Mm -hmm. but Jamie also feels an intense sense of loyalty to specifically the men who are in Ardsmere with him. Mm -hmm. Um, all of whom except for him were indentured in the United States when Ardsmere prison was closed, Mm -hmm. including Murta, right? Like they all in the show, at least they were all shipped overseas. And now we're in this situation. I'm sure it's not the not all the Ardsmere men are regulators, but some of them are, um, where they just haven't been able to get ahead because of the situation they were in. So he feels, and this is something that I think he sent Fergus to do in the show. Um, he sent to look for every man who was in Ardsmere with him to offer him land specifically so that they could be essentially like a, a clan together. Um, and that's really important, and it is and it is a complicating factor, but if you want to see it in black and white and you can understand why these people would see this issue that way, mm-hmm. then yeah, he absolutely signed his name, swearing an oath to the king in exchange for land. There's an inter- that's, an, that's very interesting. An interesting class struggle happening that's not being... Yeah. Well, at least I haven't seen any of that. They talk about it a little bit here. And, and you had it with Knox throwing that coin at the dude on yeah, the side yeah, of the road. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're bringing it well, up. Well, but there's like something associated with like being poor, but then the next stage of like being poor because of the policies associated with this. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and that is, is like true massive. of basically all Highlanders, right? Because yeah, they were yeah, dispossessed yeah. of so much of their land and property yeah. um, during the rising. So, yeah. it's. I mean, there's also a whole thing where um, the governor, I can't remember if this is addressed in the previous season, but the governor knows Jamie is Catholic and you can't be Catholic and own land in this way. So oh. the governor also has the ability to be like, oh, oh I gotta take this you away. were Catholic, so never mind null and void oh, um, as so, anytime he wants. So Jamie is basically like, he can't, yeah, he, which is why he has to wait and switch teams at the the ideal moment, yeah, which is not now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go back to Fraser's Ridge, and this is a really cool shot, and it's uh, reminded me a little bit of the walking wool scene, hot mm. pest scene, where we've got a whole bunch of women out in the yard making candles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you get to see a little bit of the process, but what's really cool is when they pull back for like a mid-range shot, you get to see all the candles it's hanging so cool. on the trees drying, and cool. it's really pretty looking. Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly what this scene is here for is to show us that the women of Fraser's Ridge other than Claire are all kind of superstitious and don't really like know medicine. And Claire keeps asking people questions. Like one of the women's husband got a burn and she thought she'd put some honey on it. And Claire was like, you know what? That's actually pretty a good idea. And then another one was like, but then Dr. Blanc Blanc, what's his name? 
Dr. Bill, Dr. I'm going to call him Dr. Bill. <laughs> Dr. Bill was like, mm, that's no good. Take this powder instead. And Claire goes, internally, for a burn. You know, <laughs> I'm trying not to be too much of an asshole, but she can't help it. <laughs> and then she realizes that these people are not going to listen to her because she's not Dr. Bill. She's not a man, first of all. She's a that they healer trust. and not a physician. Healer and not a physician. Fucking Harvard trained surgeon. Just looking at this like, <laughs> okay. And you can just see the frustration. She's just so mad about it. And then it ends with this hilarious moment where they talk about how this doctor that they're talking about, Dr. Bill, she goes, oh, well, that powder, Claire says, that powder has a thing that makes you vomit. And it's poison. It's po- It's essentially poison. So maybe he should stop taking it. And one of the women goes, "But Doctor Bill was the f- uh, king's physician. Can you imagine the king's physician trying to poison him?" Which exactly is what was happening to George the Third. Yeah. <laughs> and Claire's just like, <laughs> "I roll." <laughs> like, yes, yes, again, uh, it's happening right now. And then we cut away from that, so we can see that Claire is experiencing kind of this frustration of not being able to help people as much as she possibly could because they don't there's a certain level that she can't get past with them yes a little bit of a glass ceiling and then uh but also she knows things she would have no way of knowing right like how which she's a witch yeah so she can't say actually no taking all that shit definitely makes him go insane and then he dies like she can't say that how do you know and she's like, I talked to the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, then we, her idea is to write down some just like hygiene ideas and things you can do to like keep yourself clean and kind of stay healthy and s- distribute it as a pamphlet as if it came from that doctor. Oh. Different doctor. No. Different doctor. So uh, in the Dr. previous Bill. season, Jamie gave Claire... Um, uh, like a surgery kit with a microscope mm-hmm. and there's a doctor's journal in it. This becomes oh, important yeah. later, which is why mm-hmm. I'm clarifying it now. Maybe. We'll see if they do that storyline. But it was a, a doctor who had taken very detailed notes about all the treatment, the patients he was seeing and the treatments he was giving out. Sometimes he did things really badly. Most of the time, though, he was pretty good. So Claire f- feels this sort of um, almost intimate relationship with this doctor who apparently disappeared. Uh, and his name is Dr. Raymond. <gasps> Raymond? Wait a minute. Wait. It's not Monsieur Raymond. Raymond is Monsieur Raymond. No. Could be. No. no, it's not Raymond. It's Rawlings. Sorry, okay, Rawlings. We so just sorry. got Although I just excited. got really <laughs> <not Raymond>. <laughs> Although I think there's a point in the books when she does wonder if maybe it could be. Um, oh, wow. It's not. It's yeah. not. It's not. That's still a good At least idea. in the book, it is not. Um, but we got so excited. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, so, she, or, so this is a, a doctor who did exist. Mm-hmm. So she is taking... Uh, medical advice uh, from the 20th century, putting it into pamphlets and saying this doctor who is missing, Mm -hmm. I cannot remember if the show addressed that or not, um, gave this advice. So she is passing it out. It's not from Claire. It's from Dr. Rawlings um, of her medical journals. And Brie comes in and sees her copying all this stuff and goes, isn't this a bit like Otter Tooth? Do you remember the Native American time traveler who went back and tried to tell everybody like, hey, the white man's going to kill us all. We got to fight back. And everyone's like, no, 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 sick burn. Yeah. And she's like, "Uh, no, I don't think it's like that. And we're like, it is. It is like that. Okay, fine. Um, and then Jamie has to gather a militia. He's told that he's going to need more men. So he's got to go back and find more dudes. 
uh, I can't remember exactly what else happened in that scene. Was that the scene where one of the regulators was like, well, we've got all the farmers and we can turn our plowshares into blades and like how many people do you have? And yeah, like, it's extremely stuff. confrontational. Right. And then um, we flash to those guys getting back to the regulator camp. Boop, 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 boop. And there's, uh, they get stopped in the woods and it's like, what's the password? An American voice says mm-hmm. to identify yourself. And um, what is the code code word or something? And they're like, if it hasn't changed since last time, it's, and I don't know the word, so it's like, penis. And they're <laughs> like, oh, you're right, it hasn't changed. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And it's Marta. And we're like, oh, Marta. And he's with a very important character from the books, mm-hmm. Herman Husband, um, who I went, Herman Husband! Um, as soon as I saw him. Uh, and we'll be very curious to see how his intersection with Marta changes the story. It's really interesting. Mr. Husband had a bad wig. Bad wig. Bad it looks like Hagrid. He did look a little, a little bit like, like Hagrid. Hagrid and a little bit like a guy at a theme park playing a pirate. Yes. Oh, very much so. Yes. yes. Um, but he is, Herman Husband, he is a Quaker, if memory serves, um, and sort of a thought leader um, and will be an important figure this season, if it's at all like the book. Um, but he is hanging out at this camp, so they're in their regulator's hidey hole. Yeah, I called it Robin Hood and his band of hairy men. <laughs> <laughs> they're all hanging out in the woods. But it's obviously like a setup, like they've got tents and they've got places for all their weapons, and this has been put yeah. together for a while. And there's a whole conversation between these two guys that Jamie let out of prison with Murtaugh, like, uh, you're going to have to face the fact that your what godson is on this side and uh, Murtaugh's like, don't you worry about it. I'm fine for you. It's okay. Well, and he says, you need to face the fact that your godson is fighting for the king. And he Mm -hmm. says, no, Mm -hmm. he stands with his people, not with the king, and so do I, Mm -hmm. which means I will fight with you because you are my people. Right. It was, (laughs) Doug and the Quad did a really good job. It was a really, really good scene. Then we flash back to Claire and all of her anthropology <laughs> bell jars Jesus. tearing up 27 loaves of hand, lovingly handcrafted sourdough bread into little pieces to let it rot. And Mrs. Bug, this is when we hear her, just, she's just like, what a fucking waste. How many hours did that fucking take me? All right, fine. But Claire's going to try to make penicillin. And it then is, I mean, it's a um, ridiculous idea right this is here's my penicillin moment allison's penicillin penicillin corner um (laughs) this storyline is moved up from the book but it is straight from the book and like i said it's one of my favorites however first of all claire um out there in the wilderness watching people starve because they don't have enough food every day no way does she bake all that bread and waste all of that flour and all of that sugar and water i mean it's like they're pulling in water in buckets from the street no way does she do this there's always going to be food going to waste no way does she do this second she only has so many bell jars why (laughs) were there 27 loaves of bread like there's a giant it was like it's a it was like the dumpster behind a Panera when yeah. they're throwing out the day-old soup bowls. It was like so it was, much bread. <laughs> like it was so much bread. It didn't make it any was, sense. And then she's like ripping up one and there are six bell jars with one big hunk underneath each of them. And well, she's like, I have to find the right strain. And where that's going to come from is it's going to be like a piece of chicken and some broth and some cheese and some this. Like that's how, and that's how it is in the books is she's taking rotting food and putting it all over her surgery. And then Mrs. Bug is like, this is disgusting. There are going to be mice. 
nice. And there is a ongoing conflict between the two of them because of that. However, <laughs> none of that is going to require 27 loaves it of bread. Long. You could make that bread, give one to everybody in Fraser's Ridge and say, just save me a tiny piece if you really wanted to because she doesn't have enough fucking bell jars. I, it, like, what's she going to put whole loaves of bread out? Well, we heard all the thing about the windows being such a big deal, right? Where are they getting the bell jars? How are they getting them there? Is this prime now? She was leaving them out. (laughs) In the book, she leaves them out on plates. I don't know why bell jars. I don't... Because it's fancy looking. I mean, it does look great. Amazon went back? Yeah, Jeff Bezos is a powerful man. What's the (laughs) Amazon stand-in in Doctor Who? Kerblam? Kerblam. Kerblam? It was the Kerblam man. That's funny. And then we cut to the cabin, and we see the cute fucking baby being so cute, playing with his little fucking early American toys, like a doll made with dirt and a rock with a string on it. There's a, this is a tiny in the books thing. The only like real significant in the books thing I want to talk about is the Marsley thing. So don't let me forget. We'll do that at the end, but a little in the books thing, uh, Roger or somebody whittles Jemmy, a little car and gives it to him. And then Brie is like, what What the the fuck? fuck? (laughs) We can't, we can't give him that. We certainly can't call it a car. (laughs) And Roger's like, we'll just, We'll call it a vroom. A so then, vroom? so then, Jemmy has this toy that's a car, but it's just oh. like a thing on wheels, and they call it a vroom because because Bad they idea. can't call it a car. Bad idea. Yes. Silly. That's biscuits. cut from the same fucking cloth as the penicillin. Come on now. Slightly better. It's yeah, slightly it's, better it's because they don't know. They aren't like that's from the future. No. They're just like, what a weird toy <laughs> is this thing. So it's a vroom. So, uh, and then Roger's out there again singing. So he gets a lot of singing in this episode. He's mm-hmm. got his guitar out there and he's singing Jeremiah was a bullfrog. It's very cute. It was so cute. Was Brianna cute. comes around the corner and is like, I love that song. She's got a big basket, presumably of laundry, since during that time everyone was doing laundry at all times. And she's like, take this in. I'm going to play with him. So Roger takes the basket to take into the cabin and he knocks off a booklet uh, or uh, whatever you call it, portfolio of her sketch and she see, he sees a really cute sketch of Jimmy and he's all like, oh, look how cute. And then he picks it up and there's a very dark and terrible sketch of Stephen Bonnet. And he's like, what? And then he starts moving them one aside, one aside, and they're all like progressively darker and more tortured, terrible charcoal, like really like she's working something out in her mind. And she, he's just like, what the fuck? And then you hear Brianna go, come on out here, Roger, Roger, come on out here. He's my guy, you get the and he's like, oh, oh, my God. And he tries to put everything back together and walks out. And she's like, he's walking. But he, uh, somebody on our live cast said that was a very generous interpretation. <laughs> I will say she does say you missed, missed it, it. But look, he's walking. So presumably. And she says our son is walking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's very. Little stunt baby. <laughs> like it took a couple of steps. <laughs> and then Brianna took his hands and then they then they walk. But it's a good little soapy skeleton scene. She is so happy. And like, Roger looks out and he's just had this moment of knowing that she's going through this psychological torment and then he sees her being so happy and he has like a little proud moment where he kind of tears up it's and it's good. very sweet. It's good. But now maybe Roger has a little bit more idea of where her brain is at. And then all of a sudden, in the most abrupt jump cut of all time, we jump straight into the fucking Lady Fight Club I in know. Wellington. That, like, that, yep. They are <laughs> wailing on each other. These two women are in a and ring of and men. And it's not an establishing shot. It's like from 
Roger looking worried at his beaming wife also to great. lady throwing a punch. Yeah, it's a lot. And so it's Jeez. basically some kind of bedding parlor where guys watch gals beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Boring. And we see a couple of the guys who have been at Jocasta's house in the past, some of the yep. rich guys. And can one I, of them, yeah. and I screamed in unison, Billy Boy! <laughs> in unison, both in words and time and pitch, exactly like that. Do it one more time. Billy Boy! <laughs> it was delightful. We and, were very excited, but so then we got very sad right after. Yeah, and it wasn't, what's his name, the guy that thought he was going to marry Jocasta. Who's the guy with the dark hair that's like kind of running the scene, doing the exposition in that scene? Uh, Don't remember. Whatever. Somebody. Some um, rich North Carolinian. Rich rich dude goes, uh, here, meet my um, associate. And the camera pans over, I guess who it is. Mm, Stephen mm, Bonner. Fuck that. Yep. Bonnet's Here's the only good thing I will ever say about Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. His costume in this episode is absolutely it's baller. Great. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. He's the fucking worst. What a great costume. Yeah. yeah. So they're all watching this fight and talking about it, and the rich guy is like, hey, he helps me move shit where I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> same old, same old. And then the other guy's like, hey, maybe I'll use you too. He's discreet. No, he's discreet. And then one of the gals wins the fight, and you see this guy who keeps looking over at Stephen Bonnet like, what the fuck is going on? And then he accuses him of cheating. He's like, you knew her, and she took a fall, and I'd rather win with honor than with disgrace or whatever. And he I'd rather lose with honor than win with disgrace. And uh, he's, oh, he said, damn your eyes. That's very important. Um, Stephen Bonnet does not like Wynn, challenges him to a fight, takes him in, slices his Achilles tendon, beats the shit out of him, and then cuts his eyes open. (laughs) Does that seem like maybe it was a little bit too violent of a reaction? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes. Yes. Does this person seem imbalanced? Yes. Yes. And he goes, "Uh, what was it? Somebody said, you should have just killed him and put him out of his misery. And he goes, why not just kill him outright? Right. Why not just kill him outright? And he goes, I have to set an example. I'm a father now. Which means we know he's going to go try to find blood. It was uh, not enjoyable, but, but a, Good moment. Good piece of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, another really smart thing is that, of course, um, Bonnet wouldn't know this, uh, but now that this is something that happened um, in front of Billy Boyd, uh, it is likely to get back to Jocasta. Oh, yeah. No, I can't wait to see how Jocasta, where that storyline is going to go and how much is she going to find out about not just about Bonnet himself as a person, but also about Bonnet and Brianna. Yeah. Like, because we know that it's Jocasta's job to know everything. Yes. So we'll see. So that was the end of the episode. Um, uh, on the inside the episode, it was pretty standard, except they said between two fires like 20 times, yeah, and so I wanted to kill times. myself. And they looked so proud of They're themselves. I know. So and proud. It was bad. Uh, but I would say this was a pretty good episode. Yeah. It was very, like, pedal to the metal from the very beginning. It didn't really slow down. It felt very season two to me. Like, very mm-hmm. season yes. two, circa... Political intrigue. Yeah. yeah. Vi- lots of violence or, like... Some sort of genuinely shocking or surprising things. Right. Fast scene, shocking moments. I think it was pretty good. And even a little, we kick and punch and punch and kick and then we kick and then we punch and then we do this and the other thing. Yep. Like a little of that. Yep. All right. So I think that's it for this episode. Do you have scales? Do you have anything in mind? Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. So um, the coitus scale. Uh, 
Um, on a scale Ken Burns from baseball. Ken Burns baseball <laughs> to um, what would be appropriate? Um, like, oh God, some salacious uh, ladies pillow fighting nonsense. Oh, like a Russ Myers film? Uh, was that Jennifer Garner one where she gets all grown up? 13 going on. Oh, no, not hilarious. sexy enough, man. That's not sexy. No, oh, but this wasn't sexy either. Like, ex- yeah. but what I'm saying is it's, it's the doing it scale. So, okay. The point is not to be at, the point is to be outlandish on the ends of the scale. Uh, yeah. I know what my answer is. So some like sexy por- piece of pornography, right? Yeah. Okay. Like ladies Show hitting girls. each other, like pillow. Yeah. Showgirls. I don't know. Showgirls. <laughs> All right. Um, my answer to this is my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, not yes. sexual at all. Nope. Scotty, do nope. you do you have somewhere doing it wise on, on the scale? Um the madness of King George. <laughs> That's good. But we do know we don't see it a lot in that film, but we do know that he and his wife threw down many times because they had a lot of kids. They did, and, and they suggest how dissolute George the Fourth was, but there it's it's really not about doing it. Right, you're right. Okay. All right. Um the costume scale, oh, Sophie. Did I do okay, Sophie? Um, <laughs> on the low end, let's say um, uh, a storefront production of 12 Angry Men where the concept is that everybody is wearing all black, but then they have like comedian masks that they borrowed from their college university Jesus. professors. God damn it. <laughs> on the high end, um, the madness of King George. <laughs> <laughs> Those costumes were good. Yeah. Um, well, Stephen Bonnet's costume was fire. Keenan it really right. was great. It was like, they, it, you could just tell that Vaguely it costs a lot of money mm-hmm. and he does not know how to spend money. Right. You know what I mean? Like it looked yeah, like his a pants new were satin. money. Impractical. Yeah. Right. New mm-hmm. money outfit. It mm-hmm. was new money and no taste. Exactly. It was great Nouveau costume. Rouge. Great, great costume. Uh, so that one was good. Um, uh, fucking Bree's hunting breeches were good. Mm. Uh, also her like laundry dress was pretty good. I mm. love Claire's fucking butcher's that apron vest. apron yeah. with the big open sleeves that buttons in the back. That thing is really cool. Very so cool. So I'm going to say there's some cool shit in here. Yep. And um, Jamie's wig remains excellent. Um, way better than it's in great the past. Wig. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be somewhere between that storefront production and the madness of King George. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with... Something with pretty good costumes, but not like crazy good costumes. I don't know. Kind of any movie from the 60s or 50s that wasn't costumed by Edith Head. Mm. Yeah. So. So like Butch Cassidy? There you go. It's good. Amadeus? No, Amadeus, Amadeus is, is, too, is too high. Yeah. yeah. What Amadeus about you, Scotty? is closer to the yeah. I, I mean, I, I think... It might be Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah, it's, Kid. It's, it's or, good, um, but it's not like. Yeah, I I almost was wanting to think of like another TV show. Chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very specific because everybody wears the same costume, so it's one good costume, but mm-hmm. everybody wears it. <laughs> okay, that's good. Cool. All right. Um, all right, and then how often do you have to get up to get a beer? I did not. Yeah, so. it was very. I mean, it moved really fast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Fast and Furious. Yeah, <laughs> which one though? Um, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. I know that that's not necessarily Fast and Furious, but it's of. It's from the Fast yeah. and Furious cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, what about you, Scotty? It's not as suspenseful as like 1917, um, where like you can't. You know, it's not like you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. 
But you definitely don't get up to get a beer. You definitely don't check your phone. So... Oh, maybe stranger, maybe stranger Things. Yeah. That's a decent... Okay, Stranger Things. Yeah, where like... I wasn't beside myself, but I was into it. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, and then last, who is your pick for first this week mm-hmm. for the Golden Pamplemousse, the award that we give to the best performance of the episode? Hamilton Knox, whoever that guy was that you, you had um, his name earlier. That guy blew it out Dexter. of the water. Dexter. Evan something. Uh, Michael D. Xavier. Yeah, we, Michael, well, Michael D. Hall. Was like, really, like, yeah, really good. So, really killing it. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton Knox, you win the Golden Pamplemousse for episode two, in yeah. Julie's opinion. Same for you, Scotty? Um, I can't tell if I'm biased, because I every time I see Marsley, she's perfection. <laughs> um, and I felt that way, like we only got a glimpse of her in the premiere in the limerick bit. And I also, this could just be, I miss Marsley and Fergus so much, and I want them to have more to do that every time I see them, I might be overexcited to see them and like wait, wait their work too highly. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that was that scene in the surgery. Is it's one really of the good. good. I really it like was it. one of the best scenes. Very, very show. good. And that's meatier than the limerick bit. So yeah, I might be Marsley. Laura Lyle. Lyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both of those choices. So I'm going to give like a half vote to each of them and that okay. way we can have a tie. Because I think right. it was really like one really, really great scene and then several very good scenes. Um, I think that it's fair to have that be about even. Um, What about last week? Because we didn't do last week. (sighs) I might have to give it to Sam Hewen for last week. Yeah? Because of the whole thing with giving his daughter away, the whole like having to deal with Governor Tryon's shit, and then the final scene with Murtaugh. Final scene with Murtaugh was good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm gonna say Sam Hewn for the for, for the premiere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same for you, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is for me too. So that's yeah. so that's a universal Agreed. Agreed. nod. Remember when Sam never used to get our he TGPs? He just got one. He just got a TGP. Well, he's gotten several, but it's mm-hmm. but it's nice that like premiere starts yeah. out starting very strong, Mr. Hewn. Good job. Good job, bud. Um Great. Well, we will do a little in the books, just a little one. Um, after we say thank you to some folks, uh, you can find, uh, I'm just going to pause for a second. Okay. Grab my computer. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. You can find us on Patreon where you can back and uh, join our Slack channel and also have access to some bonus episodes. You get episodes early, but also bonus episodes, including our new series. <laughs> Janine's Corner, <laughs> colon, the Janine experience. Um, Get more of me. Yeah. <laughs> Among some other things, uh, live streams, all kinds of stuff. And uh, most importantly, our Slack channel, which is just the most wonderful place on the internet, um, which Julie and I have basically nothing to do with. We're in there. We're just not responsible for it being so wonderful. It's all the people who are in it who make it so wonderful. It's the best. Truth. Um so you can find that at patreon.com slash podlenderdrunkcast where you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and I think $3 is where you can get in the slack. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons. This show would not be possible without your support, so thank you so much. We especially want to thank the following. Ashlyn Berger, Zena Perez, Kayla Reagan, Misty O'Jeppy, Katie Kirschner, Dr. J, Jen Lander Drunklin, Amanda Newton, Trish McCrary, Chrissy Shively, Emma Lofald, please Emma tell me if I'm saying your name wrong, Samantha Smith, Amanda Sims, Whitney Harrington, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Maria, Catherine Marshall Eastman, 
Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Cara <laughs> Lucino, mm-hmm. uh, Crystal Nanavati, uh, Viv Pickles, <laughs> Mary Lumpkin, Jenna Polkowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Heather Moore, Kara Marlowe, and Kiki the, the Wise. Wise. Don't forget Amanda Sims. And oh, Amanda yeah, sorry. Smizazim. Amanda Smizzes. That one's just for you, Amanda. Um, uh, and Kiki the Wise, who is our unofficial Slack den mother. And if you do join our Slack, we'll be among the first to greet you and then teach you how to use a GIF because it is a little bit confusing. Um, and that's it. We're going to do our in the books. But if you don't want to know anything about what happens in the books, you can jump off now and we will be back next week with whatever the fuck it's called. Probably uh, The Hangover. <laughs> or maybe Baskets. Oh, bye. Bye. Okay, welcome to In the Books, where we talk about stuff that's in the books. Um, There is a lot of stuff that's in the books, right? Herman Husband, but you'll find out more about him. Um, Some other characters, the Tarring and Feathering is from the books. Uh, The biggest departure from the books, though, uh, other than the ongoing Myrta presence, is that Marsley is not the person that Claire begins training as her apprentice. It's um, a woman who lives on the ridge, the daughter of a man from Ardsmere, whose name is Tom Christie, who is a Presbyterian. Um, so he and Jamie have sort of always butted heads. Um, but he comes and sets up on the ridge, just like a bunch of the other archery men. And Malva um, sort of ends up looking at Claire as a mother figure and seems very adept at it, and they make friends, and it becomes um, extremely complicated in a way I'm not going to talk about just in case they find a different way to introduce her because it's a mm-hmm. like a big storyline and sort of an ongoing mystery. Um but Malva Christie is a, at first um, a figure who appeals to Claire much in the way that Marsley does here, but without all of the like fun, weird complexity. Um, and then it gets progressively thornier. Mm. So, um, and in a way, some of it's a little bit like, like not a, an awesome trope. Um, but some of it is pretty interesting. So it'll be, I'm curious to see whether or not Tom Christie ends up on the ridge at all. Uh, if he does, he has two kids, Malva and Alan, and they're both important to the story. So, Mm. um, so this at the moment, at least removes Malva from the story. And it could just be that they're going to cut those storylines. It could also be that they will only be introduced next season because a lot of it happens in the next book. Mm. Um, so that is also possible. The thing that I really like about Marsley is stepping into this role is we see, and they do a good job of this in the show in the ship season. Mm. You see a lot of Marsley and Claire bonding, even though Marsley sort of hates Hates her, her. feel like she (laughs) should hate her. And then it sort of, she gets worn down and then it gets more and more complicated. That relationship becomes incredibly close to the point that I think one of um, Ferguson Marsley's kids, um, her middle name is, Claire Aww. modified something despite knowing that her mom is going to flip shit a brick about it. Um, or maybe she's asked to be the godmother. Something. It's something mm-hmm. that her mom is just going to hate. Um, yeah, and that relationship mm-hmm. just, they get they become very, very, very close. So this feels like a way to sort of reflect the work they've already done in that relationship and also to kind of accelerate the intensity of it, which I think mm-hmm. is great. I'm a very big fan of the Marsley Claire friendship like surrogate mother daughter thing mm-hmm. uh, and i'm really glad that she is getting more to do this season and god lauren lyle was so she's good so good ah, she's funny she's her. smart so she's good. fast she's really fucking and she really does look like what's her face 
like Larry, Larry. like mm-hmm. she really does. It just it's great casting. They hit the jackpot. She and mm-hmm. um um damn boy are Says very I'm damn boy. Uh, yeah. Very they're very good together. Um I also love that Claire was like, "Hey Fergus, can you watch your kids?" Yeah. And he's and like he was like, "Mila, yeah. Milady, yeah. Oui. This is my job, no?" <laughs> I do not have outdated perspectives on the role of mothers versus fathers. <laughs> I am a, how you say, wook. <laughs> um, which is good because it's not actually always true of Book Fergus. So I was really relieved to see that. Anyway, yay, that's it. That's seeing in the books. All right, cool. Malva Christie. He's come so far from two ladies, one moi. <laughs> yeah. Two girls, one moi. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. All right, bye. Bye. bye.